What's up, everybody? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I tell Noah, it's just got to be so good. They only know me by one name, Nathan, right? Don't even worry about the last name. But it's Pelahowski, if you're wondering. Noah should know, know that by now. But let's uh, give Noah a round of applause. Right. Even though he messed up my name, we'll give him a round of applause. The youth is, is awesome, but hey, I'm excited to be here. I, I don't know about you, but one, this week was one of those weeks. It was a little rough and, and had some things going on, and so it is always refreshing to be here, and it's awesome to be here with each and every one of you. Today, we're going to continue this series called uh, For Everyone, where we're looking at the life of Jesus in the gospel, which is one of the accounts of Jesus' life, and we're just looking at his ministry and what he did and how his, what he did changes everything in our story, and it's really the work for everyone. But today, I want to start with a random question, and here's what I'm going to tell you. The first three minutes, you're going to be like, where in the world is Nathan going, and what is he talking about? Stay with me, and it all makes sense. So first question is, how many of you have ever been skydiving in this room? One of you. Okay. First service is way cooler than you guys, I guess. Like, they had like 10 people. Like, what? That, I was surprised, but they had a bunch of people. Okay, so how many of you have on your bucket list to go skydiving, skydiving someday? All right, awesome. And you're like, why are you talking about skydiving? Well, recently, I was down a rabbit hole on YouTube. Has anybody ever found themselves on that? Like, how did I get to this video? Well, I'm on this video, and it says, like, the history of bungee jumping and skydiving. I'm like, I gotta figure this out. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to skydive. I don't want to bungee jump necessarily. But I want to know who are the first people to come up with this crazy thing. So the, the story goes, or legend goes, that there's an island in the South Pacific. And it all starts, skydiving really starts with bungee jumping. And it's in, a, it's in the South Pacific, and it's called Vanatutu or something like that. Like, I'm messing up the name, right? But it's a small South Pacific island. And it's a beautiful island, and it's remote, but not very many people go to it. It's not very populated. And on this island, they speak this kind of a language that isn't very kind of very used anymore, very popular, but they have their own traditions on this own southern island, and there's a legend from this island that actually many historians kind of trace back as the first account of bungee jumping, and it starts with this woman who had an abusive husband, and she wanted out of the relationship, okay? And so, but she's on an island, she's, she has to figure out, how do I get away from this guy? How do I get away from this relationship? So one night, she comes up with a plan that she's going to run away, and what she's going to do is she's going to run into one of the trees on this island, and apparently this island, they have these giant trees. It's a type of tree, I can't remember the name, but they're giant. And so what she did is she ran up this tree knowing her husband would follow her. Now stick with me, like, I'm engaged now. Like, what is going on? Like, she's climbing up trees, and on these trees, they have giant vines. And she wraps a vine around her ankle. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And then he comes up too. He is chasing her. She wants to get away from him. She wraps a vine around his leg. He does not. She jumps. Boom. Jumps, right? He jumps after her, okay? She stops because of this vine. What does he do? Smack, right? He dies, right? Like, crazy story, right? Okay, okay. It gets even crazier. To this day, you can go to the South Pacific Island, and the men on the island, they build something that looks like this. They say it's a structure out of trees. I'm like, that looks like a bunch of sticks, man, like pick up sticks, right? And what they do is you can see different platforms. The men on this island, once a year, they tie, tie a vine around their leg. They climb up higher and higher, to, and they puff out their chest to see who's more courageous, who's tougher, and they will climb all the way up this, and they will jump off with this vine. It's not a rope. It's a vine. Like, they're nuts. It's crazy. Like, and they jump off, 
and they survive and they do it over and over and over again right and at that point I'm like what does this have to do with skydiving they go into the history of skydiving and I change the video so I don't know where skydiving came from but I do know where bungee jumping came from and I was like what is it with these people right what is it with people like I think of like Travis Pastrana anybody remember him growing up right you know motocross and freestyle and all that or evil Knievel if you're a little bit older and and if you remember these people like they do all these acts and people jump out of planes and they bungee jump like why why do they do it or what is it about them that makes them want to do that is it that they have no fear is it that they're a couple french fries short of a happy meal like what's going on like what makes them want to do this and this documentary also talked about this kind of the, the psychology of this like the people who do things like this throughout history who have these major moments that people would say like adrenaline filled moments it's not that they fear matter of fact most people who do things like this for a living or participate in activities like this it's not that they don't have fear matter of fact they have a, a heightened sense of their own fear but it's something about this it's something about these individuals that they value something more than fear they value the freedom they value the adrenaline. They value being able to puff out their chest and say, hey, I'm the craziest dude who jumped from the highest point with a vine on my leg. They value that. And there's a quote I want to share with you, and it's all going to connect. Here we go. It says, they recognize the necessity to take a leap of faith. Anybody ever have to take a leap of faith? They recognize the necessity to take a leap of faith, aligning their actions with their dreams. Sometimes to get to your dreams, to get to your desires, to get to your goals, you've got to take a leap of faith. And the desires that resonate deep within them. They take a leap of faith because their desires or their dreams resonate deep within them and they value those more than they do the fear of those events. What does that have to do with you? What does that have to do with me? I'll connect it. I believe that God, and I'll say it a million times, and I'll say it till I die. I believe that God has a purpose for your life. I don't know you, but I know that you're created with value, that you matter to God, and that he has a purpose and a vision and a plan for your life. And that how you live and how I live each and every day, it truly matters. It matters who we marry. It matters how our habits, it, it matters how we treat people. It ma our career matters. All those things matter. And in each and every one of us, God has put value, worth, and purpose. And I like to tell people, God has placed something inside of each and every one of us, in our hearts, in our lives. And that's something that what he's placed in you, those desires, those purpose, they need to come out of you. And all of us are hardwired with those in us. And sometimes, if you've ever been on that edge, you're like, I know God's calling me to something more. I feel like my life it has something more to give. I, I know that I'm made for something more. Anybody ever feel that? Like, and you're on that edge. You're like, God's putting it, he's calling you to something. And you feel it. You don't know what it is. And God's asking you to have faith and asking you to trust. And, and you're standing on that edge, that ledge, or that, that, the airplane. You're standing on that ledge, or that tower. You're like, I'm anxious. I'm fearful of the unknown. I, I'm hesitant. And the only question we really have in those moments, and many days we wake up with these same feelings every day, will, you f will fear win or will you jump? And I think a lot of our faith and a lot of our walk with God comes down to those moments every day. We may not see it that way, but will, we, will fear win or will you jump? And so what I want to do today is I want to take you to an encounter in the Gospel of Luke uh, of between one man, and there's really three men, but one man is the center piece of all of it. And he's going to have this option. Will, will fear win? Will hesitation win? Will doubts win? Will anxiety win? Or is he going to jump into the life that Jesus is going to offer him? Is he going to jump into the opportunity? And all of us are going to have the same question. Will fear win? Will doubt win? Or are we going to jump and have faith, leap of faith in what God wants to do in our lives?
So in Luke chapter 4, started last week, we, we looked at temptation. And Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness. And we said that he beats temptation. And then right after that moment, he goes out and he starts doing his ministry for the first time. He goes to a place called Nazareth, kind of his hometown. And he reads about a prophet named Isaiah. And then he tells everybody, hey, listen, I'm the one that God has told you about. They kick him out of the town. And they're like, hey, we, don't, we know who you are. And they, they just didn't understand who he was. And then he goes around and he starts performing some miracles. And one miracle he does is, is he heals a, a man's named Peter, mother-in-law. He heals his mother-in-law, right? Some of you are like, is that a miracle? Is that what I want? Like, I'm not talking about that today. That's another topic, right? But he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And the crowds are starting to know him. People are starting to gather around him. Word is passing. This Jesus guy, we don't know who he is yet, but something is different about him. That's where we pick up in Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, so you got to imagine that there's a backdrop behind me. He's on, he's on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, which is a very kind of important sea or body of water in, in biblical times, in Jesus' time. And great crowds are gathering, and they're pressing up on him. So it'd be like all of you guys coming to the stage. So they're gathering and gathering and gathering. And he's teaching because people want to hear what he's teaching. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. And why they're empty is because fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So Jesus is teaching on the other side, there's some fishermen, and they're washing and they're cleaning their nets. So some people are over here paying attention to the teachings, and some over here are washing their nets. And the reason they're washing their nets, and this is really important, is because they've been fishing all night long. They would fish at night because at night the fish would come to the water and they would be easier to catch fish. So they've been fishing all day. They're tired. They're worn out. They're cleaning their nets. Meanwhile, a crowd that they didn't probably want to come is approaching because Jesus is teaching and everybody wants to hear Jesus. So what I want to do is as we navigate through this today, I'm going to say there's four stages that we're going to read about. And every single stage that we're going to look at today you'll find yourself in. If you're here, you'll find yourself in one of these stages. In the first stage, we get right here. It's this stage. It's the sit and listen stage. The sit and listen stage. This is a stage that no one really talks about, but it's important. The sit and listen stage is this, that all you're doing right now is like, I, I don't know what I believe. I'm here because someone made me come. My boyfriend made me come. My girlfriend made me come. I didn't really want to be here, but you're here, so you might as well pay attention, right? And, you're get, and some of you are here like, hey, I need, uh, my life needs to change. I don't know what it is. I keep hearing about Jesus, and I'm not sure. You're just sitting, and you're listening, and, and you're gathering information. You're like, what is, who is Jesus? What, what is Jesus about? And you're just gathering information, and you may be starting to ask questions or start to have questions, and you're like, okay, what, what is this all about? You're gathering information. And if that's you today, that is awesome, right? That is a first step that every single one of us has taken before. We sat, we listened, and we gathered. And w matter of fact, when you go back to Jesus' teaching, people would sit and listen, and they would gather information. So sitting and gathering information is awesome. God wants you to gather information. God wants you to find information and seek out more information about him because I believe when you do, you'll find who Jesus is and it'll truly change your life. So you're, they're sitting and they're listening. The fishermen are over here doing their own thing and then their worlds are about to collide. Stepping into one of the boats, it doesn't even say he asks. It says he just walks up to one of the empty boats. Jesus, well, I guess it does. It says Jesus asks Simon, didn't ask him to come on. It says he's, he asked Simon to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So there's, the crowds are pressing in on him. There's boats over here. Jesus walks onto the boat, doesn't ask if he can get on the boat, just walks onto it and says, hey, Peter, I need to go out into the water because I, I'm, 
the people are gathering. They can't all hear me, so I need to go farther in the water so they can hear me and I can teach. Peter's probably thinking, my goodness, are you, are you serious? I'm tired. I've been fishing all night. Do you see that I have any fish? I haven't caught any fish. I want to go home. I want to eat. I'm hungry. I don't have time for this. And, but Jesus just walks onto his boat and says, hey, Peter, we, we need to go out into the water. And I think there's a lesson there for you and I. God often asks us to move when we least expect it. How many times has God interrupted your life and said, hey, I need you to do something when you least expected it? A lot, right? It's like you're, you're living life one day and you think things, you know, you got your own agendas and you're busy and, and your schedules are full and life is going on and all of a sudden God steps into your life and says, hey, I need you to do something. I, I need you to do this. I need you to go here. I need you to, to do this. And you're like, come on, God, I, I wasn't ready for this. And really what we see it as, it's almost as if you're living life and, and maybe you're not doing anything bad. You're just living life, doing what you think you need to be doing. And all of a sudden it's interrupted. God interrupts your story. And I've said this before, but how do you know that God's interruptions are his introductions to something new? That if God wants to do something new in your life, it often starts with an interruption. And it may not be an interruption where it's bad, but it's like, hey, I'm doing something, I'm living one way, and all of a sudden God comes and says, hey, I need you to change that. I need you to stop that. I need you to do this. It's an interruption. I might need you to move to this job. I might need you to take this career. I might need you to do this. It's an interruption, and he's going to interrupt you because, why? He has something new to you for you. But you have to allow this interruption to bring an introduction in so you can have something new. And some of us, we want something new. We want God to work in new ways, but we won't allow an interruption to happen. We won't allow him to interrupt our habits, our schedules, our finances, our resources, but we want something new. And God's like, hey, listen, I got, I got something new for you, but it's going to be an introduction, but it's going to start with interrupting what you're used to. So Peter's being interrupted. He's like, I, I don't want to do this. But he loans the boat anyways. And that's the stage two. Loan the boat. Some of you here, like, you're just simply loaning the boat stage. For some of you, that, that looks different for every single one of us. For some of you, it's coming back next week. Like, loaning the boat, God, I'm just coming back next week. Others of us, it's like, hey, I've been here a while. I need to take that next small step. I need to loan the boat. I, I need to serve. I need to be involved on a team. I need to talk to the people next to me. For the others of you loaning boats, like, hey, I have this habit, this lifestyle that's in the dark that I know it's killing me. I need to stop it. But it's like, I'm going to loan the boat. I'm going to allow this introduction or this interruption to change something in my life. And I'm going to start making small steps to this something new that God wants to introduce to me. So I'm loaning the boat. So Peter loans the boat, and then this happens. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Jesus, which is Peter, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And now this is where Peter's got to be like, are you kidding me? Like, dude, I, I loaned you my boat. I didn't want to. I've already cleaned my nets, and, and now you want me to go and do what? You want me to take you out where it's deeper, and you want, you want to fish? Jesus is like, I, I want to go fishing with you, Peter. I want to go fishing with Simon. Come on. And Peter's got to be like, this is not going to happen. So this is what happens next. Master, so uh, respect, respectfully, Simon says, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. 
And now you want me to go do the same thing I've been doing all night that didn't get me any results. And Jesus is like, yes. And as soon as I read that as a parent, I think of my house. Like, Natalie goes to sleep, we clean up. Natalie wakes up, makes a mess again, right? She goes to sleep, I clean up. She does the same thing over and over again. As soon as we clean something, she dumps it out faster. Legos, blocks, right? And so it's like, I've done this over and over again. And Peter's like, I've done this. Master, no disrespect, but I've done this. I've tried this. And we caught nothing. We didn't catch a single thing. Look, we have nothing to bring home. It's a bad day. We, we, didn't do any, we didn't catch a single fish. He's like, man, are you fishing with me? It's like, I didn't do anything I was supposed to do last night. And now you want me to do it again. He's like, Jesus, master, sir, no disrespect. But aren't you a carpenter anyways? It's like, if I got a wobbly chair at home, I'm going to call you. If I got a shelf that needs fixed, Jesus, I'll call you. But I'm a fisherman. And we caught nothing all night. And we know all fishermen fish during the day, or during the night, and it's daytime now. And Jesus, not to mention, you've, you've gathered quite a crowd. You've got all these people around you. And they're all watching us. Have you noticed that? They're all watching us. They're all seeing what's going to happen next. I've already lent you my boat because if I said no, I would look like the world's biggest jerk, right? So I said yes. Now you want me to fish it and put down my nets. And we did it all last night. We didn't catch anything. Now they're looking at us. And if I put my nets out in the water, they're all going to laugh because they're going to say, what is Peter doing? He doesn't even know how to fish. Jesus, I, I, I don't know if I want to. Isn't, doesn't that hit home a little bit? God calls, calls us. He steps in our life, right? He comes in our life, and we want something new. And he's like, hey, you want something new, you got to do something new. So here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to kill this thing that's killing you. I'm going to need you to change some habits. I'm going to need you to start saying no to some temptations. I'm going to need you to go here so you can do this. That's a hard one for people, right? Moving or going somewhere so you can do something he wants you to do, that's hard. I'm going to need you to go forgive that person that you're holding resentment towards. I'm going to need you to go live like people actually matter, not just wear it on your t-shirt or on your bracelets. I'm going to need you to do this. I'm going to need you to go love like you've never been hurt in this world. God, and we feel this sense that God has on us, and all of a sudden we, we list all the reasons we can't and all the reasons we won't. God, you want me to go do this again? I already failed at this. I already failed over and over again. You want me to go do it again? I, I won't do that. What are people going to think about me? God, if I, if I say no to doing this, he or she, they won't want to be with me anymore. They won't love me anymore. God, if I, if I leave this to do this, what are people going to think? Come on, man. I love you, God, but what do you think they're going to say about me? And you want me to forgive them? Do you know what they did to me? God, you really want me to love that dude? That dude is a jerk, and everybody knows it. Even his own mama doesn't like him. You want me to love him? Yeah. Isn't that hard? And so we start to make all these reasons we can't. And sometimes the reasons we can't is like, hey, I, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. So we believe that. But what's even more dangerous is all the reasons we won't. 
We're like, I won't do that. So Peter's internally wrestling with this. Am I going to do it? I'm on the edge here. He's already on, this wild man's already on my boat. Like he's, he's, everybody's following him. Am I, am I going to jump or am I going to just say, I'm going to do my own thing? What am I going to do? And this is a moment. This is where everybody, if you're not paying attention, we can pay attention here. This is the moment in Peter's life that changes everything. And this could be a moment. What we're about to read, saying this and doing this could be the moment that changes everything in your life. Peter's entire life is about to change, and it hinges on one decision, on one statement. He didn't know what was going to lie in the balance after this. He's like, hey, I've been fishing all night. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm frustrated. And you want me to fish again? So here's the rest of the verse. I don't want to. But if you, everybody say you. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. It makes no sense, Jesus. You're a, fisher, you're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman. I don't really want to do it. I'm not even convinced that I'm going to catch anything. I think it's going to be a waste of time. But if you say it, I'll let down the nets. And that's the third stage. It's this stage. This is where all of us should be. Or aim to be. Okay. If you say so, I'll do it. Again, Peter's like, Jesus, this makes no sense. I don't know if I really want to. I, I don't know if it's worthwhile. I know that they're going to laugh at me. But okay. If you say so, let's do this. And I don't think Peter and it says James and John were also there. I don't think they knew how important this decision was going to be in their lives. I don't think they knew before they said yes that 2,000 years later in a town of Logansport, Indiana, we'd still be reading about them today. Because if they didn't say yes, if they never made it here, you know what they would go down as? Just another fisherman. Just another ordinary person. But they said this, and I don't believe Peter had any idea on that day how one yes would change his entire life. And I don't think you know either. You have no, sometimes we have no idea how one yes can change your entire life. One yes to Jesus. One yes to Jesus, I'll do this. One yes to Jesus, you can lead my life. One yes to Jesus, I'll go here and I'll do this can change your entire life. I told you guys this before, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, right? This whole, new, this whole church thing to me was relatively new. It, it's still newer to me than most people, right? It, it's, it's new. I didn't grow up hearing about religion. I didn't grow up hearing about Jesus. I didn't grow up with any of that. I had nobody to look to for that example until I met one person who introduced me to Jesus. And all those years ago, I said yes. Not knowing what I was saying yes to, not even knowing what I believed, but I said yes. And I would never imagine where that yes would bring me. It introduced me to my wife in my college. It introduced me to another church and then this church, right? Like that yes has changed everything. And your life, if my life can be changed by one yes, God can do more with one yes in your life than you can ever imagine. You don't know what's on the other side of the yes, but it's gonna be whatever is on the other side of the yes is gonna be far greater than what's on the other side of your no. You have no idea how one yes can change your life. And I love what one of my pa favorite pastors ever said. He said, not only do we not know what hangs in the balance. This one always gets me. 
We don't know who hangs in the balance. By you saying yes to Jesus, by you saying yes to do this, you don't know what relationships are going to happen because of that yes. You don't know whose life God can use you to change, your skill set, your talents, your personality to reach people. Parents or, or non-parents, you don't know how your yes to Jesus, to doing what Jesus wants to do in your life, can change your entire family tree. You have no idea how one seed of yes can change everything. So I want to encourage you. like we got to get to the spot get and work to the spot. And it's hard because it, it takes faith and it's a struggle at times. But we got to say this. If you say, I'll do. Jesus, if you say, I'll do. Jesus, it, it doesn't make any sense to live generous. We have audacious generosity as a, a value of mine. But if you say so, I'll do it. Jesus, it makes no sense to love my neighbor. I can't stand him. But I'll do it if you want me to. Jesus, it makes no sense to love my enemies. But if you say so, I'll do it. It makes no sense. Or I don't know what it's going to change to live like you. But if you want me to, that's exactly what I'll do. So that's where Peter is. He's like, if you say so, I'll do it. And I, I, I want to talk about something when it comes to faith. Because isn't that a beautiful picture of faith? But faith in this journey, as we're going through these stages in our life, it's messy. And I wish people would be more open about the mess. I, would be, I wish people would be more open about the struggle. And so sometimes we're told about faith as a young kid or as young Christians, we can get told this kind of, I call it the Skittles in the rainbow faith. Like everything's going to be all good. You got rainbows and Skittles everywhere. It's all awesome. Everything's great. But that's not how it works. And even if you look at the life of Peter, there's so much more going on there. That at times you can have faith, but there's other things working in your life as well. And so there, there's sometimes there's two sides of the spectrum we may find ourselves on. And we're not, we're not open about this enough, but I, I want to show you today. Things that can coexist on our faith journey. You can have faith and doubt at times. Jesus, I have faith you can do it. I don't know if you're going to. I, it's a weird conundrum, but you can have it. You can have confidence and questions. Anybody live with somebody who just asks a lot of questions? Right? Like, it's, it's tough. Like, Whitney, I love her. But she'll have confidence in my plan, but she'll ask me 15, 20 questions before we get there. Right? Like, what's going on? So we can have confidence. Say, God, you're going to take me somewhere. And then I got 25 questions I want to ask you first. Right? You can have some questions. There's progress. And there's obstacles. Every time you have progress, you're also going to have some obstacles. There's excitement and reservations. Like, hey, I'm excited about the next step, but I'm nervous. I'm, I'm a little anxious. There, there's conviction and curiosity, right? And we can have all these things. And if you look at the life of Peter, all of these things come in his life. But you can still take steps to say, okay, Jesus, I'll do it. I have faith, but I have a little bit of doubts. I have some confidence, but I have some questions. I got some progress, but there's going to be some obstacles. I got some excitement, but I have a little bit of reservations. And so this is what happens. He's like, hey, I'll do it. And this time, at this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in, in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of seeking. They caught so many fish that their boats were about to sink. And so this is a ma this amazing moment. And I love it because when they acted on the yes, something happened. When they acted on the yes, something happened. When they acted on the yes, something happened. Jesus says, let down your nets. 
They didn't say, okay, let's pray about it. They didn't say, okay, that's a good idea. Let's think about it. It says, no, they let down their nets. And when their yes led to an action, their nets were lowered and it was filled with fish. God moved when they took the action of yes. And when their yes collided with Jesus' plans for them, because Jesus had a plan that they couldn't see. All he was waiting for them to say yes. And, and so they said yes. And their plan, Jesus' plans collided. And something extraordinary happened. When we're willing to take the step and say yes, to take the action, because faith requires action. Jesus says faith with action. James says you cannot have faith without action, right? It's not just words, but there's actions. When there's actions involved, when they're yes, collided with Jesus' plan for them, something extraordinary happened. When you say yes and you take that step, you'll see God start to work. And that extraordinary thing that's going to happen in your life, you may not know, know what it's going to be, but extraordinary things happen when God involved, gets involved in our story and when our yes collides with Jesus' plans. So they catch all this fish. And Peter says, what? He's like, hey, mama, we're rich. Like, we made it. Like, we had no fish. Now we have all the fish. This is more fish than we caught in our entire life. Like, hey, I'm going to open a, a fishing company. We're going to call it Peter Gump Shrimp instead of Bubba Gump Shrimp. All right, Jesus, we're going to go, you're going to go into a partnership with me. You're going to go 70-30 because you can do, like, the, the fish stuff. But I got the boat, so I, I'll take 70% of the credit. You'll take 30. We're going to go be rich, Jesus. That's what he says, right? Not at all. I made all that up. That's why we got to read our Bibles. Here we go. The next verse here. It says when Peter realized what happened, he didn't say anything at first. What's he do? He falls to his feet, falls to his knees before Jesus. And he says, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. And as were the others with him, his partners James and John, they also become disciples. The son of Zebedee were also amazed. They saw it and they're amazed like, we can't believe what we just saw. And Peter falls to his knees in the presence of Jesus. No longer is it master, now it's Lord. He says, I don't know everything about you, but I see you are truly someone from God. And he falls to his knees and he says, I'm unworthy to be in your presence. I'm unworthy to be here. Because Peter assumes something. He assumed that God distanced him, himself and keeps himself distanced from sinners. Why did he assume that? Because every religious person lived that way at the time. Every religious rabbi, Pharisee, Sadducee, all the C's, they lived excluding people. Jesus was here for a new kingdom, for a new purpose, for a new movement. And he came for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. Not just the elite, not just the, the perfect, but the sinners, the outcasts, those far from God. And what Peter does is falls on his face and Jesus says, get up, Peter. Get up, Peter. I got something new. Something new is here. The way things were done isn't the way they're going to be done forever. And Jesus replied to Simon Peter, says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Your purpose is going to be far greater than you can ever imagine. And they left, everybody say Everything everything and they follow Jesus with a grin on his face he says get up Peter get up come with me say yes to this life I'm offering you and together we'll change the world together we'll do something that no one sees coming just say yes and it says they left everything everything and they followed Jesus this is stage four 
drop your nets. Full disclosure, I was supposed to have a net up here today. Ordered on Amazon Prime. I'm old enough to remember when Amazon Prime was two days, right? Now it's like Prime for late shipping. That's what it means, right? And so it's supposed to be here, but I don't have it. But I want you to imagine there's a giant net up here. Drop your nets isn't dropping your nets in the water. They, they went to the shore. They dropped their nets on the shore, and they left their dad to clean the rest of the nets, and they took off with Jesus. They, them leaving their nets meant they left their safety their security, and their livelihood. They laid it all on the shore at the feet of Jesus, and they dropped everything. It was a moment. It was a symbolic moment of total surrender. And I want to talk about this, because I, I don't want you to miss it. The worst thing that we could ever do as a church is lead people almost to the finish line, but make them miss Jesus. I don't want you to miss what Jesus wants. Jesus never once ever says, you have to look a certain way to start following him. He never says you have to have a certain background. He never says you have to have a certain knowledge, certain skill set, a certain last name, a certain amount of, of skill sets, a certain job. He doesn't say any of that. He says anybody who wants to follow me can follow me. But the requirement is very, very simple but difficult. It's total surrender. It's total trust in the plan that I have for you. That's what I need you to do. And that's what, it gets really hard because what happens is, like, hey, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. And you should read your Bible. And if you haven't been reading along 90-day reading plan, I encourage you to do so. The Luke plan, so we're figuring out who Jesus is more ourselves. Uh, I'm trying to change some habits. I'm trying to do some things. But we haven't quite totally surrendered. And this is really hard. Because almost getting there isn't getting there. Almost getting to Jesus isn't quite getting there. And Jesus said, anybody can follow me. But I need you to totally surrender. So how, you, how, how we live a lot of times is, imagine there's a net up here. And we got our talents, we put them in the net. We got our resources, we put them in the net. We got our dreams, we put them in the net. We got our plans, we put them in the net. We got our agendas, we put them in the net. We got our families, we put them in the net. We got everything we want, we put them in the net. We got our relationships, we put them in the net. And, and then, on top of what we like, I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus right here. Boop, boop, boop. Then you take the net up, and you pick it up, and you put it around your shoulder. And I got Jesus. And Jesus said, that's not quite what I mean. Jesus said, I, I want you, here's what I need from you. Because my plan, I got a plan for you. I want you to take that net. I want you to dump it out. Boom. And I want you to take your net. And I'll put it in front of my feet. And I want you to say, here's my dreams. Here's my career. Here's my purpose. Here's my agendas. Here's my plans. Here's my resources. Here's my talents. It's all yours, Jesus. Take my life and do what you want with my life. I'm here, I'm in, and I'm ready to follow. Jesus, here's my net. It's all yours. And that's what Peter and James and John did that day. And that's what Matthew would do later. All the rest of the disciples would do. And it, it takes faith. And standing on the edge of that plane saying, I'm going to jump. I don't know what's next. I'm hoping my parachute opens, right? But it takes faith to take that leap, to put that net down and say, Jesus, here's my life. Do what you want. It takes faith. But it changes everything. And the plan that Jesus has for your life, the plan that God has for your life, is far greater than any plan we could ever imagine. You know what? And sometimes in that plan we have success, and it is fun, and it's enjoyable, and we have meaningful relationships. We have these things. But we're taking our life saying, Jesus, here's my life. 
And I don't know what your next step is today. For some of you, if, you, if you're listening stage, this next step is come back next week. Some of you, is to borrow the boat. Like, start lending your time, your talents, and taking that next step. For some of you, it's say, okay, I know I'm supposed to do it. I've been waiting. I'm going to say, I'll, I'll take that step. I'll do it. For all of us, it's dropping our nets at the feet of Jesus and saying, here's my life. Imagine this. Imagine for the next 365, 64 days, how many days are in a year, I don't know. As a church, we just lay down our nets and say, hey, we want to do what you want us to do. Not what we think we should do, but we want to go where you want us to go. We want to reach who you want us to reach. We want to change in this city, and this community, what you want us to change. Here's our nets. Lead us and guide us. Imagine the change that will happen. Whatever your next step is, take it. Whatever that next step is today, take it. If you don't know what that next step is, fill out your connection card, and we will love to talk to you. If you want to find me after service, I'll talk to you. I would love to help you with that next step. 2,000 years ago, a group of fishermen were fishing, on the, were cleaning their nets on the bank of the Sea of Galilee. Their lives, their, store, their business was interrupted for a moment. This man named Jesus takes them out into a boat. Says, hey, uh, can, you go, can I borrow your boat? I want to go out in the sea. They go out in the sea. They don't want to fish. And they say, hey, Jesus says, hey, you want to fish? And they said, not really, but they decide to fish anyways. And then after that, they catch all this fish. They go back to the sea, the banks of the sea. Jesus says, follow me. You're not a prophet. You're not a priest. You're not a Pharisee. But I want you to follow me. I want you to change the world. And they said, yes. And they started this journey with a Savior named Jesus. And where it would go... They never expected. But where it would lead was to a moment of a resurrection of a Savior that was here to change the life and save all people. And that story starts next week. But that story today can start for you. Right here, right now. So if you need to talk, find someone in the prayer room, find one of the staff members in the back. But I want to pray over you real quick. Father God, we're so thankful that our story with you can start whenever. Father, you're calling us home to you. You're calling us to take that step, the, the, the faith, step of the direction you're calling us, to take that leap, whatever it may be. God, I'm so thankful for the people in this room and their stories and what you're going to do in their life. I pray we have the power to say yes to whatever you're calling us to, that we become a community, a, a movement of people that drops their nets to follow you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.